0: Research is a podcast that explores current nutritional research and health studies. Our lawyer says we have to let you know that this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informative purposes only. If you have any health questions, see your doctor or licensed health professional. So we're back for another episode. Welcome. (laughs) Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Research. We are changing things up a little bit this week. It's going to be a good one. We are leaning more towards vitamins for this week, and we have a really cool episode in line for you.
1: I'm excited. Totally timely and a a new study. And um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah. So this one, there's been a lot. Okay. So we've been... Trying to avoid a little bit too much talk about COVID because it's super saturated in all media and all conversations right now. And we've been trying to give everybody a bit of a fresh take on nutrition and something other than COVID to talk about. But we thought this is important and there's a lot of information out there. There's been a lot of new research that's come out. And so we did want to do an episode on uh, COVID. And actually this episode, we're talking about how it relates to vitamin D I'm going to be sharing a little bit of information so that we can hopefully pass it on to our clients and just help them in every way that we can.
1: Yeah. this uh, vitamin D COVID has had so many studies lately. So yes. many. So we picked one. Yes. And uh, actually Lindsay picked one and we're going to be chatting. You're going to be teaching me a little bit about this as well, but this is part of a growing body of evidence that essentially didn't exist a year ago. And now there are, I don't know, at least a dozen different studies on vitamin D and COVID, uh, looking at things in different angles. So this is definitely a timely topic.
0: Yeah. And we just, you know, it's so important to understand the research and, you know, how it fits into the big picture. And so that's, that's really why we're doing this because we have all this new information. It's definitely in conversations a lot. And so, you know, let's talk about the facts so that we know what we're talking about, and we can share valuable, real information with anybody who wants to learn more about it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So the article we're talking about today is called Analysis of Vitamin D Level Among Asymptomatic and Critically Ill COVID-19 Patients and Its Correlation with Inflammatory Markers. Uh, so this is a fairly recent publication, uh, 2020, I believe it was November, actually, like fall of 2020. Um, so we're recording this now, February 2021. So this was really only published four-ish months ago, if we're looking at the timeline. Yeah, pretty recent. Yeah, it's it is quite recent. There is a lot out there. We'll talk a little bit at the end. There's a lot of uh, articles out there. So we'll talk about kind of where it fits in big picture, you know, see how it correlates with all the other information out there.
1: I love your use of correlation so much because (laughs) that is, that is a key phrase to look for in certain types of studies and not other types of studies. The correlation is not causation.
0: No, it's not. We've talked about that. We talked about that a bit in the stats episode. Uh, If you want to go back, scary stats, which we try and take away some of the scariness about it. Totally not scary. It's not scary (laughs) once you start learning a few of the terms. But yeah, like it's we're looking at correlation here, not A causes B. We're looking at is there a relationship between the two? Um, So let's get into it. Yes. Uh, Of course, we will link to the original study in our show notes if you want to go look it up for yourself. But yeah, so a little bit of background. Researchers and doctors and healthcare professionals have known for a long time, vitamin D influences the immune system. We've known about SAD, a seasonal affective disorder, how people get sick, like flu season is really lack of vitamin D, among other things. Again, correlation. Correlation, It's not the only thing. But it does influence and, and balance the immune system. I hate the term strengthen or boosting. Right. You know, we hear that a lot in the holistic health circles, but that's not really the right term because the immune system is so complex. You really don't always want to boost it. You really want to balance it so that it can do what it needs to do in the right way.
1: In the right. right, Because allergies and autoimmune is a bit of an overactive
0: yeah yeah and so you you know like the immune system walks this very very fine balance that would be a good book review there's a really good book on the immune system called an elegant defense uh yeah that one is a really good one um if you're out there and you want to learn more about the immune system it was a fantastic read like i sat down and i think read it in a couple of days front to back which normally when i'm reading science books it's like pick it up read a few chapters put it down this one was really good
1: very good.
0: So, vitamin D has anti inflammatory action. And what it does when it's in the right concentration is it inhibits inflammatory cytokine expression. So, it kind of dampens that inflammatory response and it ensures that the immune system isn't producing too much of an inflammatory response, which is most of the time a good thing. But I feel like inflammation gets a bad rap. Right Because you know, chronic systemic inflammation, very bad for you. It really adds to the risk factor of of developing chronic disease. Right. But inflammation itself is actually there to protect us, and it does, right? Without inflammation, you stop up on a rusty nail and you would die. <laughs> and,
1: and especially if you're fighting something, like if you're fighting yeah. infection, you want your immune system to go at the infection and cause the inflammation kill the infecting pathogen, and then simmer back down to a normal defensive mode versus being offensive.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I think, I mean, one of the take-home messages in all of this, people generalize the immune system function a lot. And please keep in mind, we are not immunologists. I mean, people spend their whole lifetime studying these things. We have a basic understanding. What we need to keep in mind is we want the appropriate response from the immune system and to keep that in check as much as possible and that's really the way to promote good health overall when it relates to inflammation in the immune system. Uh, Vitamin D insufficiency is associated with overexpression of Th1 cytokines. These are just a different branch of cytokines. We don't need to go into what they are and what they do specifically because it will get very confusing (laughs) very quickly Uh, and it really helps vitamin D in the right concentration helps balance the two branches of the immune system, the innate and the adaptive. So just as a refresher, uh, adaptive is when we have that memory response. So this is when you get the vaccination or you get exposed to something, you develop antibodies and your body remembers and it's able to adapt. The innate immune system is when we just kind of like kill anything that shouldn't be there. Your body is really good at both. But we need that fine balance between the two. I have here, is the COVID intro really needed here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all pretty familiar with that virus at this point. <laughs> you know, it's a respiratory virus. It's a coronavirus. What we're finding, some of the new research coming out, you know, it it infects the nervous system. It has huge implications with the cardiovascular system and somehow it connects to cellular energy systems as well we're seeing a lot of people with like massive fatigue afterwards and so it's really interfering with how the body is able to use energy um and so we're really looking at that on a cellular level so it's way more complex than we first gave it credit for than we first understood Uh, and i think of course as the pandemic goes on and then once it's done and we continue to do research on it we're going to learn so much more about the biomechanics of it all it'll be really really interesting this is my understanding of it at this point uh, we know that there's a much higher risk to those with comorbidities comorbidities are when people have pre-existing chronic disease that weakens their immune system doesn't enable them to fight off the infection and so they end up with more severe infection higher risk of uh, severe disease, higher risk of mortality. Uh, This is the two big ones are diabetes and hypertension. So anything we can do to reduce our risk of those is going to help protect us. So specifically with this article, based on all of that background, there's this hypothesis put forward that low levels of vitamin D are associated with an increased increased severity of infection. And so those with lower vitamin D have somehow an impaired immune response. So the virus is able to take hold a little bit more. They have higher uh, rates of infection, severe infection. They end up in the ICU, higher risk of dying, unfortunately. Uh, Studies also looked at inflammatory markers, IL-6, TNF alpha and ferritin. So IL-6 is is short for interleukin. It's just one of the inflammatory chemicals our body produces. Uh, TNF alpha is tumor necrosis factor. And then ferritin, this was the one that really confused me. I'm not sure why they were looking at ferritin (laughs) and I don't have enough knowledge in this area to get a full appreciation of why that's there. The only thing I could figure was that, and the only, I tried to do a little bit of research in this. I didn't find any concrete information but lower ferritin levels are associated with lower vitamin d levels really loosely because when you have lower vitamin d you have lower erythropoiesis which means lower red blood cell count this is new information for me so i'm learning something new which i always like to do
1: and also ferritin is an oxidant right
0: yeah it's stored iron i don't know why they were looking at this yeah yeah good,
1: if questions. You know, good science if... often comes up with a lot of good questions yeah after you do studies and you see the results it often says oh well now that I know this answer I have 10 additional questions on how and why this all happened so I know this is good
0: yeah so if you know if you're listening and you know please let us know so we can let our listeners know I want to know <laughs> if other people want to know now, <laughs> um, and if not, I will try and do some digging and maybe uh, hit up smarter people than me for some answers because I need to know Our now. How is this connected? Somewhere. Yeah. Oh no, the information is there somewhere. I just don't know. Maybe I'll even email uh, the authors and see what right. they say. I don't know. They're in India, uh, so I don't know. I'll send them an email. The study was a six-week prospective observational study. So it went on uh, for six weeks. Prospective means that they started and were moving forward uh, in time as opposed to stopping and then looking back and collecting information that had already happened. Um, And it's observational. So they weren't interfering in any way. This is not a randomized control trial. There was no randomization. People were being admitted to the hospital and they were put into two groups they were either just being treated uh, asymptomatic COVID positive, or they were in ICU for COVID. Um, and what we what they were doing is looking at vitamin D levels within these two groups.
1: So these people were already COVID positive. Yes, they we're already going to the hospital.
0: Yes. And then the
1: outcomes of some were they didn't have symptoms and the outcomes of others were they were in intensive care they were quite quite ill from the virus and so they were looking at the difference in vitamin d that was between those two groups of covid positive people who were at this one hospital exactly
0: in india yeah there was 154 people um, after all of the exclusion criteria was met it was how many it was like 90 something in group a 91 in group a and 63 in group b they were tested through rt pcr which is a reverse transcription polymerase chain reaction big big word basically it's a way of amplifying genetic material that's that's really and that's the
1: accurate way of doing the covid test because it actually finds that mrna if it finds sorry the rna then it's a positive test
0: yeah yeah so that's what those two groups were study was not blind again they had to know who was coming in and dividing everything up again it was just an observational study so it's not like an RCT where you can have bias going into it all they were doing was just collecting information that already existed so there's it's not as critical for it to be uh, a blind um, study Vitamin D deficiency was defined as less than 20 nanograms per mil. And this is an important cutoff to remember. This seems to be the general consensus for cutoff, but this is an arbitrary number. We're not really sure why it's this number. Insufficiency is defined as 21 to 29 nanograms per mil. But it, when you're doing this statistical analysis, it changes the numbers and the significance based on whether the cutoff should be assumed to be 20 or 30. Okay. So 20 was, was the cutoff, although they did start doing a little bit of analysis, looking at what the difference was when they moved that cutoff to 30. So just a little bit higher. Uh, when we're looking at standard deviation, uh, two stu- standard deviation, again, if you have questions about this, go back to our stats episode. We do talk about this a little bit. Um, And what we're finding, so let's get to the results. This is really interesting. Group B, when we just look at uh, the analysis of the actual group, had a higher mean age, so they were older. This should not come as a surprise to anybody who's been following the news at all. We know the more vulnerable populations are the older population. As you increase in age, your risk increases for COVID. Right. And group B, so again, ICU patients uh, had much more males than females, and so that that was an interesting observation as well. Now, in terms of the mean vitamin D within each group, for group A was twenty-seven point eight nine, and then group B was fourteen point three five. That's wow. a huge difference. So, like. I don't even have to do the stats and I can tell that that's a significant difference. So
1: group A are the people who were COVID positive that went to this hospital, but they were asymptomatic.
0: Exactly, They did not
1: have serious COVID symptoms. In fact, they had no COVID symptoms, but they did harbor the virus. Yes. Group B had, they were in the ICU. So there's a smaller number of those people, but they also had approximately half of the yeah. blood levels of vitamin D. Yeah.
0: And, and they, they were, were also, like, they were way lower than what the cutoff is. Like the cutoff is 20.
1: They were, they were at 14. So they were, they were deficient. They weren't insufficient. They were deficient vitamin D. They also tended to few older and male.
0: Yes. yes.
1: And they, these were the people who were in intensive care. Yes. So the vitamin that was, and I'm guessing that these numbers were statistically significant. As
0: oh yeah. Like the, the P value was like, okay, hold on. I have it right here. Cause I always make sure I have the paper. On hand. The P value for that was 0. 0.0001. Yes. Yeah, so that's tiny. So that was,
1: but you're looking, the numbers are almost half, right? Yeah.
0: It's a huge difference. Yeah. So again, this is anyways, we'll talk about the limitations shortly. What this tr- translates to, because we always like to look at math through different perspectives, 31-ish percent were deficient in group A. So when we look at the spread of all the individuals, 31 were below that 20 uh, nanogram per mil cutoff. With group B, 96, almost 97% were deficient under that 20 nanogram per mil. Wow. Yeah. So again, even just looking at those numbers we're starting to see now why this is such a hot topic we are seeing a correlation right right there is some type of relationship going on here as far as this study is saying um again we're back to the mysterious serum ferritin (laughs) also showed a significant difference between the two groups a had this a asymptomatic 198 and I think this is nanograms per mil, but I can't remember. Yeah, it is nanograms per mil. Just okay. wanted to double check that. And then here's where it gets interesting. B. So this was the um severely sick 30, 331. Big significant difference. P-value 0.0003. Wow. So for some reason, that is beyond my comprehension. <laughs> There's right. a huge difference in serum ferritin levels as well. Right. I don't understand about chemistry of what's going on here, and I would like to. Now what we're doing is looking at when we cluster those that are vitamin D deficient compared to those that are not deficient in vitamin D, the numbers of ferritin change. So in vitamin D deficient, ferritin levels were high at 319 Those that had normal vitamin D levels had ferritin levels of 186. So again, there's some relationship going on here, and I don't know why. Uh, IL6 was higher. So this is the inflammatory marker. So when we have lower vitamin D levels, inflammation goes up. Numbers were 19 picograms per mil. And then in those that, um, so that was in deficient individuals normal vitamin D levels about 12. And this was significant difference as well. So Mm -hmm. we are seeing a correlation between vitamin D deficiency and inflammation.
1: And outcome of COVID morbidity.
0: Yeah. So it's causing more inflammation. And we know when we get sick, a lot of the time the symptoms that we experience are not necessarily because of the illness. It's because of your own immune response. And so We're seeing in those that are vitamin D deficient, we have more severe disease and we're seeing more inflammation.
1: Right, and and your body would crank up the inflammation when you are infected to try and fight the infection.
0: Yes, but in this, this is where it'd be interesting to talk to somebody in virology and immunology. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Do they have more inflammation which causes more severe disease or do they have more severe disease which is causing more inflammation?
1: And that is exactly one of the uh, outcomes of having an observational study. You you don't know what came first and this study was not even designed to determine that, but basically to find out, is there a link, some kind of link? Like it doesn't have to be a cause and effect link, but is there some kind of link between vitamin D levels in the blood and COVID-19 like serious symptoms and icu admission and it looks like according to the study there's quite a clear correlation yeah. we don't know necessarily why or how or what came first but it does <laughs> seem or how to affect that right yeah but it's this is like when everything is so different like these two groups were markedly different in mm-hmm. all of these measures it's very very interesting
0: yes it is i agree uh, and then the last thing I want to point out, I mean, there was quite a few different uh, results that we can go into, but in the, for the sake of time, we will try and keep it condensed fatality rates. There was a significant difference between the two, unfortunately, 21% uh, fatality rate for those with vitamin D deficiency at uh, 3.1% with normal vitamin D levels. So there's a marked difference between the two.
1: So not just morbidity, it's also mortality.
0: Yeah. Which is very sad. It's I do please for everybody that is has had losses during this pandemic. It's horrible. Our thoughts go out to you.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But this is interesting. We're slowly learning a little bit more about what we can do to protect ourselves and help balance our immune system the way that it needs to be balanced. Again, definitely go back and check out the, the article if you want more information, more data. It was a it was a really good article. There were some limitations that they talked about. The single center was used. So again, these are not high numbers. Right. When we're looking at studies, even for an observational study, right.
1: Quite small 150, observation.
0: yeah, 154 is not a lot. So there needs to be a lot more studies done, even if it's more observational studies, just in much larger groups in different diverse populations. Right right? We're seeing one area of India, which is a small geographic region. We're just not seeing enough variety to be able to extrapolate this to a larger population. So it's a good starting point.
1: Right. Sorry. This particular study, because there are a bunch of other ones as well, because this is an area of great interest and research right now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Knowing the limitations of each study is part of the reason why we study, we started this
0: podcast. Exactly. Yeah, well, no, because we have to understand, you know, why these are so significant, or if they're not as significant in terms of the value of the study, why? Why? Why is that? So there are limitations to this study. The other thing, uh, the time elapsed between infection and admission before they got to the hospital none of that was taken into account. So that's something, I mean, maybe they got sick really early and had to wait a long time. Maybe it's something that came on really quickly. We just don't understand the timeline.
1: Right, so it started when that person got to the hospital. Exactly. But that's not when the disease started.
0: Yeah. Um, The other thing is the area that they are in, in India, vitamin D deficiency is quite prevalent there. And so uh, this may play a role somehow. So we need to start looking at other areas of the world and see what the correlation is in uh, different areas. And then comorbidities were also not taken into account when looking at marker values. So they didn't start correlating between diabetics and inflammation levels, for example. So we don't have the full picture, but we are starting to get a clearer picture of what's going on. This is one of the steps, one of the many steps that needs to get taken to fully understand how vitamin D plays a role. So this was an observational study, which on our scale is a five out of seven. I might even drop it a little bit below five, just because the numbers were so small. Right. It wasn't a big study. I mean, had this been like you know hundreds plural or even upwards of a thousand or more that would definitely increase the weight of it but with small numbers we just don't get enough statistical significance we need big numbers for statistics to be meaningful
1: to be meaningful to the population
0: yes right
1: because it's for on an individual basis the statistics show a lot of significance between those two groups but whether or not those two groups can be uh extrapolated to larger populations is not something that this study can do at this point. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So that, I mean, it, it was a good, it was a good article. I enjoyed it in terms of where does it fit into the current body of research? I think it, you know what, like it correlates with everything we know. We know vitamin D plays a role. There's a lot of information out there about how low vitamin D levels have a relationship in. Other diseases such as fibromyalgia, diabetes, cardiovascular disease. So we know somehow it influences disease, uh, not just infectious disease, but some of these chronic diseases, inflammatory diseases that pop up. Uh, So it does fit into it. How exactly, we still need to clarify. There is no competing interest that they were declaring Excellent. Yeah, uh, the biomarkers we talked about, and we've talked about these before a lot because we do talk about inflammatory biomarkers quite a bit on this podcast. uh, IL-6, TNF-alpha. There was quite a bit more that they could have looked at. I'm not really sure why they didn't decide to like not look at CRP or homocysteine, anything like that. I'm not sure if budget was an issue because I know the more blood tests you do, the more expensive it gets.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. Was that 154 people? Not a lot. Six weeks is also not a lot of time so but i mean we have to keep in mind we are living in the pandemic and there is a big rush to publish and so they are for the sake of time and for the sake of sharing information and getting it out there they are not conducting super long studies right yeah in terms of the stats that were used there was a lot of t-test chi-squared uh, p-values were used it was all pretty straightforward um, I didn't really I didn't have any big troubles understanding the stats and the numbers so hopefully once you kind of take some time and look through it it wouldn't be too hard it's it it was in terms of studies I've seen ones that are way more complicated it would be a good one if you want to learn more about stats it would be a good one to start with and then again that difference between correlation and causation we know now Uh, even more that there is a relationship between COVID and vitamin D one does not cause the other necessarily, but somehow it influences it. And in terms of how much, like what weight of influences from vitamin D, we just, we still need to learn. And it's also very interesting that what we're talking about here is people who have
1: already got the Mm -hmm. infection. So none of what this study looks at is preventing that preventable infection in the first place. So we would still fully recommend following all of the guidelines to prevent the infection to begin with, regardless of your vitamin D status.
0: And those are, just to remind you, Please, please, please wash your hands well with warm water and soap. Get all sudsy and sing happy birthday to yourself. Please wear a mask. Make sure it is a well-fitting, clean mask uh, that does not have a lot of gaps. And stay at home. Keep your distance, especially with these new variants out there. We're finding it so much more infective, And they're actually there's a lot more chatter now about how the distancing, thinking you're two meters apart is just not enough. For this new variant. So keep your distance, stay home, zoom chats with loved ones as opposed
1: and get outside. Yeah. Enjoy the fresh yeah. air. You don't have to be trapped inside all the time. But go out, go for walks, yeah. go enjoy the the limited sunshine we get here in Canada in February. Oh but that also helps a teeny bit to get vitamin D. And um also another thing too is if uh, a, a lot of Canadian, not all, but a lot of Canadians are low in vitamin yeah. D in the winters. And it may be a consideration to either get tested or follow whatever directions on the yeah. label. Maybe you can talk to your doctor pharmacist about taking a supplement and eating the few foods that do have vitamin yeah. D in, yeah. which is, uh, do you want to go in talk a little bit of a vitamin yeah, D? No, sense? we definitely can.
0: I do want to go back just before we do that, though, to vitamin D supplementation. As far as I can find right now for the average adult, it's 2000 I a day, which is if you get the liquids, it's like two drops. That's it. Like you're very yeah. Concentrated. And take it with food, please. This is a fat soluble vitamin. You need to eat it with fat so that you can absorb it properly. So just something to keep in mind. Children, kids in general, about a thousand units a day. Um, I did talk to my pharmacist just the other day about this. That's what she recommends. However, this may be a slightly individual um, choice or change might be needed. So I would highly recommend talk to your doctor or pharmacist and find out what you need because things like autoimmunity might change it. If you're immunocompromised, we just don't know. So these are the loose recommendations, but talk to a health professional to find out exactly what you need. The other thing, yes, there is food sources, not a lot of food sources, though. Dairy in Canada is supplemented with vitamin D, not yeah, milk is. Yeah. Um, so if you are okay with milk, consume a glass a day. It's a way of bumping up vitamin D a little bit. Mushrooms. Uh, are actually a decent source i think we talked about that last time didn't we we
1: did some some of the mushrooms they expose them to uv light so they actually make their own plant-based source of vitamin d and they can be a source of vitamin d for people yeah.
0: to eat yeah so if you like mushrooms if you're okay with mushrooms that's another choice those are the two that i know do you know of any others well, I'm thinking of like liver. Yeah, that's true. I always forget about liver because I'm not a huge fan. Right, I tend so. to mince it up and put it in other things. So I can't taste it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a definitely a tough thing. But even like cod liver oil. Yeah. Yes. Um, caplets or the oil itself. Like, but your liver is amazing. Yes. And it stores a lot of these fat soluble vitamins like A and D in it. So when you are, if you do eat animals, the liver is very, very
0: high in Well, nutrients. and it's got the right balance of vitamin D, A and vitamin D, which is also important. Um, we need both. And yeah, so those are very good food sources, which in theory, from a holistic perspective, some might say it's better assimilated or more, more bioavailable than the synthetic, but I, there's no research. I don't think done on any of that. That would be a great episode.
1: I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know, but I, I do know that you can you can even buy cod liver oil. So there's there's fish oil yes. supplements, which are different from the yeah, liver. Yeah, they are different. Supplement. So the, the fish oil would have a lot of the DHA, and EPA, yeah. omega-3s versus the fish liver oil will also have the EPA, DHA, but they will have the vitamin D and vitamin A in it because
0: it's from the liver and not just from the fatty. Yeah. But it's got quite a bit less EPA and DHA. The, the omega three is like it's. Probably. It tends to have right. a different fatty acid profile, and again, it's got a lot more. Yep. Like typically, you're taking it for A and D, and right. K. I believe there might be a bit of K. Oh, in it might a have two. some K in it. Yeah. Um,
1: Check your labels. the The labeling laws in Canada are quite yeah. good, and it will list things on the label the way it should be, as long as it is a properly licensed yeah product that you're getting. Uh, check your labels and always you know check with the the person behind the counter
0: so if you are looking at getting food sources um pate is another good option uh you can try again if you eat animal products um the what what i do i tend to be anemic low in iron liver is really good for iron and b12 which are good for energy levels as well uh, we are in the midst of winter. I don't know, I, like it's really, really cold here right now. We're in the middle of that polar vortex. Yeah. It's as we're yeah. recording this this morning when I woke up, my car said minus 28, but it feels like minus 42 here in Edmonton. Yeah, it's cold.
1: You're You've got it. We work. definitely have it. We're, we're like in the minus 20s, <laughs> you're in the minus yeah. 40s, like cold. and it's Celsius. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy.
0: It's cold. But here's the thing, like you want those hearty comfort foods. And so if you are making things like chili and spaghetti and shepherd's pie and things like that, um, add lots of vegetables. That's my like number one tip. It's a great way to hide lots of vegetables, but you can mince up liver in the food processor and add it in as a way to boost nutrients as well. And no one's the wiser. I've done it so often. I hope my family's not listening. I've done it so often and they have no clue (laughs) because I need it and i know they need it too so um those are two tips for getting it in i mean if you like mushrooms you could definitely be chopping up lots of mushrooms to be adding in you know portobello burgers things like that are good options mm. you know making homemade yogurt with with uh milk that has that extra vitamin d as a way of getting some fermented foods in which we know also supports immune system function you know so those are some good good take-homes To make sure you're getting adequate vitamin d and of course if you can get tested i don't know about ontario but i know in alberta unless you have a specific medical reason they actually don't test for vitamin d they just assume you're deficient and recommend you take vitamin d right yeah it's
1: super interesting i don't know how they do it here in ontario but um i mean feel free to talk to your doctor or pharmacist about it because um vitamin D, even, even the daily vitamin D supplements is um, a possibility to just go even without testing, at least in climates when you're not out in the sun, getting
0: your
1: skin to make vitamin D. Well, and that's the the
0: issue too. So you need that UV exposure. So in the summer you go out and 10, 20 minutes is enough. You go out in shorts and a t-shirt. You don't need a lot. And then after that cover up and make sure you protect your skin In the winter, the sun is so low on the horizon, we don't get the vitamin D or sorry, the UV coming through the atmosphere to begin with. And we're covered up. Like the amount of skin exposed uh, is so small, you just don't get the same UV exposure. So you need to make sure you're getting vitamin D. And I mean, we're, we're talking about in terms of immune system, but there's huge implications with mental health. And that's a that's a big concern right now, not only in the winter but yeah. pandemic. Right, it's yeah. something everybody should be seeing if they need. Right, mm-hmm. vitamin D. So that's the take home message: make sure you're getting the vitamin D you need as a way to help support immune system function. Um, definitely talk to your doctor or pharmacist. Pharmacists are fantastic resources. Become friends with yours. Right, and talk to them. They're available, and they love talking about stuff.
1: stuff
0: Yeah, they. Every time I go into my pharmacist, I'm always asking questions, and they love to share what they're learning and what they know to educate people. They are some of the best educators out there. So, definitely discuss um, what your personal needs are and make sure you get it to keep yourself strong and healthy.
1: Yeah, super important. So. Continue to do everything you can to prevent the spread yes. of the virus. And at the same time, consider your vitamin D status and whether or not you may need a little bit of supplementation or eating foods. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Vitamin D, as we know, because it's stored in the liver and it's fast soluble, is also something yes. stored. So, yep you can have a ton of vitamin D over the summer, over the the sunshine period. And um, that tends to last you. Like that's why it's in liver, cod liver and animal liver, it's because it's stored yes. there. So unlike your water-soluble vitamins, which is your C and your Bs, the fat-soluble ones you tend to retain for a while yeah. afterward. On yeah. the on the, the flip side to that as well is you can overdose yeah. on fat soluble vitamins easier than you can on water soluble vitamins where your kidneys are not just expelling the excess that you need yeah. every day. So that's another reason why it's important to look at your vitamin D in general, how much you're getting, whether you need a supplement, whether you need food, whether you can yeah. get
0: tested. Well, and here's the other yeah. interesting bit it's, about vitamin D too. It's half-life. So the amount of time it takes, to half in concentration is anywhere from three to six weeks, which is why in your body. your body, in your own body, depending on your metabolism and your individual needs and amounts to start with it's three to six weeks, which is why typically in Canada, we need to start supplementing the end of October, early November ish, because by then we've started losing a lot of that concentration in our body so we're right in the middle of february now we need vitamin d we have used up a lot of our stores so uh yeah thank you for doing this episode again please yeah. follow all of our shows social media handles let us know if you have any suggestions ideas or feedback you can email us at researchll at gmail.com and of course For Lindsay and Lisa. Lisa, yes. And uh, thank you to Joseph McDade for the wonderful music. And thank you for listening. Thank
1: you for bringing forward such a timely study um, that links nutrition and the current pandemic situation we happen to be (laughs) in right now. So it's super interesting to learn this stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. Good job. Good timing.
1: We'll talk to you (laughs) later.